declared this hour in congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are called this hour to prepare ourselves for the celebration of the Lord's Supper. And with that in view, it is good for us to ask ourselves a number of questions this week upcoming. We are to examine ourselves in various ways. And for instance, we could ask such question as, well, how is my relationship with Jesus Christ? Does my confession of Jesus Christ match up with my conduct of everyday life? Are there still unconfessed sins that need to be dealt with? How is my faith in Jesus Christ? Is it always steady? Or are there times when it is unsteady? Are there perhaps times that we suffer from unbelief? Now, in answering those particular questions, of course, we need no doubt to discover that faith is not always as it should be with us. And that there are times, in fact, that there are periods of doubt and bouts of unbelief even. And we discover then that these are then the trials of faith, as I want to call them. Now, we have in our text passage an example. And we have there a man who is in the midst of such a trial of faith. And he says then to Jesus, as we have it in the words of our text, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Now, I would like to pay attention to these particular words this hour and also what is implied by these particular words. And may it bring the Lord's Supper into focus for you and for me. And so, as theme for this hour, Jesus' help in the trials of faith. Jesus' help in the trials of faith. First, those trials are real. Secondly, those trials must be acknowledged. And then thirdly, those trials require help. Now, congregation, the man speaking here in our text is a father of a boy who is possessed by a demonic spirit. And this demonic spirit, as we read, has caused this boy not only to be dumb, which means mute, not able to speak, but also he is deaf as well. But more than that yet, this demonic spirit has caused this boy to get into uh, mouth foaming and teeth gnashing fits, which saw himself being thrown into the fire at times and at other times thrown in the water through those fits. And apparently those fits and those attacks began already uh, while this boy was still very, very young. The father, understandably, was beside himself what he must do with his little boy. And wouldn't any father for that matter. But here he is. He's at the feet of the Lord Jesus. And while his boy is again in the midst of one of those demonic fits, writhing and and foaming on the ground next to him, he says to Jesus these words, verse 22, If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Now, please understand what this father is saying. He has no doubt whatsoever that Jesus is willing to help, but he does have some doubts if Jesus is 
able to help. This father has experienced one setback already when he had gone to the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ and asked for help. And, well, the disciples couldn't do anything with this demonic spirit in this little boy. They were not able to help him. They did not have the power necessary to cast out this demonic spirit and and heal this little boy. But now Jesus has arrived on the scene as well. And this father is therefore convinced already, yes, Jesus would most definitely be willing to help him. But now, does Jesus have the power to do so? After all, the disciples didn't have the power. Would Jesus have those powers? Is he able to do what those disciples cannot do? And here he he is not sure of this. He's not sure. He therefore makes his plea with Jesus. Nevertheless, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. So this trial is real for his father, isn't it? It is real as his boy is lying there, writhing and foaming on the ground next to him. Just as real. And his last resort is Jesus. And he knows that Jesus is willing to help. But does he have the power to do so? And so, dear people, you understand that this this man is faced with a double trial. Not only that physical trial that he's had to go through for so many years already with his boy being tormented by a demonic spirit, but also the, the spirit of, of, of spiritual trial of faith that troubles him in his faith life, and he calls it unbelief. He believes that Jesus is willing to help him, but he is unsure and he is troubled in the faith if Jesus has the power to do so. Now, this physical trial of this man is enough already, isn't it? And I won't say too much about that, other than you know that it is hard to see one of your loved ones suffer and not being able to do much or not being able to do anything for them. Many of us know something about that. When your wife or your husband or your child is in much pain, you you just wish that you could take it over for them and and give them some relief. But as you know, that's not in the power for us to do so. However, it is at the same time an encouraging thing to know that we can go to the Lord Jesus Christ for this. We can. And the Lord might not necessarily remove such trials, but he does promise to be with us and see us through those trials. I cannot imagine how people who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ and who do not know his comforting presence can cope with their physical trials and remain sane as they must go through it. But it is not the physical trial of this man that I want to focus on in this hour of preparation for the Lord's Supper. It is this man's spiritual trial, you see, that must receive your and my attention. And although I must say that our physical trials can impact our spiritual trials to be sure, well then, we must focus then particularly on the trial that a believer has when struck with doubt and struck with unbelief. 
And this is more common than many of us would want to admit to. After all, the world is, is, is full of doubters, isn't it? Doubts about rightness of our government decisions. Doubts about medical decisions. Doubts about the climate. Doubts and every kind and even skepticism as well has taken control over many people in this world of ours today. And this is why there are also so many protests and, 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 and those, those riot activities because, well, people are skeptic about anything that they are told. But I am not talking about that kind of doubt this hour. I'm talking about doubts that plague our spiritual well-being. And it is in the heart, I believe, of every believer, at least to a certain degree. The trials of faith are real. They are real, dear people. And when this father says to the Lord Jesus, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, he expresses what lives in his heart. He believes in Jesus' willingness, but he just cannot express such faith in Jesus' powers as yet and in his abilities. This man's trial of faith and doubt, of unbelief and, and belief, each trying to get control in his life and of doubt and unbelief having some success in his life as well. And this is why he cries out, and he does so with, with tears in his eyes. And it can be seen. Lord, I, I believe. Help my unbelief. Or as you could translate it as well. Lord, help me fight against my unbelief. And so the trial is real. And such trials can be real in many, if not all, Christians at one time or another. Well, now in the second place. This trial must be acknowledged. It is true that the trials of faith are real and that many of us do struggle with doubts and with unbelief. Uh, and, well, it is best to acknowledge it. It is best to acknowledge it. Now, this does not mean that you have to confess that you are still an unbeliever, but rather that your heart struggles with, with those, those bouts of doubt and fear. And unbelief. And the father of this boy also does that as well. He does not rank himself amongst the unbelievers. He confesses to be a believer. Lord, I believe. But Lord, I need help. Lord, there is unbelief in me trying to take control of me. Help me, therefore, against such unbelief. Now... How many of us do not have such struggles every once in a while? Bouts of unbelief. I may be wrong, but I suspect that there are at least some amongst us who do so. I know I do. I'll be honest with you. I sometimes have those bouts of unbelief as well. Bouts of unbelief have at times taken over as well. I don't want to deny that I am a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, after all. How could I deny the Lord Jesus Christ, what he has done for me on the cross with his great and marvelous sacrifice? 
and what he has done in me by his word and by his Holy Spirit. I would not dare to deny that in any way. I believe, therefore, in the willingness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a preacher of the gospel, dear people, it is my pleasure to tell you how much the Lord Jesus is willing and how much willingness there is with the Lord Jesus Christ to save any of us from all our sins. I love to set before you the very words of the Lord Jesus Christ as he overlooks Jerusalem, for instance, and he cries out, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered, wanted to gather you together as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings. How strongly I believe in the willingness of the Lord Jesus Christ to seek and to save the lost. I know that he is willing And therefore, he beckons us, and he calls us, and he continues to draw us. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Let him come to me who thirsts. These are the words of a willing Savior, after all, dear people. And so, yes, he is a most willing Savior, most willing to help. And I have no doubt about this whatsoever. And I hope none of you have any doubts about that whatsoever. And yet, there are those times when unbelief rises up in my heart and doubts of a different nature enter into my head. I don't want to question if the Bible is the Word of God. No, I don't want to do that. I don't want to question if the Christian faith is the genuine one in comparison to other faiths that are advertised. I have no desire to to ever become a free thinker in terms of which religion to practice. None whatsoever. I want to submit myself entirely to the word of God that is the Holy Scriptures. Yet, I struggle at times with bouts of unbelief. My faith is not as strong as it should be. I do not always know exactly what it is that that I doubt and the struggles to believe. But it seems to me that can can Jesus always do all those things? His ability? Can Jesus change those things in my life? Can he do this or that in my family? Can he turn things around in the congregation? Can he? Can he? This is a trial that I must acknowledge, and no doubt you will be ready to acknowledge it for yourself as well. And so, my fellow believers, are you not also troubled with doubts sometime? Now, this does not make you an unbeliever. It just means that you are not yet perfect and that your faith is not yet perfect. As someone once said, belief and unbelief lie next to each other, close together. You know, you see that here in our text. And there you meet up with a man who indeed confesses his faith and who at the same breath says something about his unbelief. Unbelief and doubt, weak faith, little faith, are very often problems to Christians. And the proof is right in the Word of God, the Bible. 
At one time, Jesus asked his disciples, Where is your faith? Luke chapter 8, verse 25. Another time, he rebuked his disciples and said to them, O you of little faith. Luke 12, verse 28. In fact, at one time, the Lord Jesus felt it necessary to say to his disciples, O foolish ones, how slow of heart it is for you to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Luke 24, verse 25. Again, unbelief and doubt are very common problems amongst Christians. I believe and help my unbelief can often be said in the one and same breath. Now, such things should not be repressed. Such things should not be kept hidden. Rather, such things should be acknowledged, dear people. Acknowledged because this is what the Lord wants to hear from us. And this is how he will help us in it. The Lord should hear such confession from us as the Lord Jesus heard that short confession of this, this desperate father. Now, I also know that there are Christians who say that their faith is always strong and their faith is always steadfast. And I'm sure that they also mean very well when they say this. I'm sure that they say this in honor of the Lord Jesus Christ who has made them strong, who has made them steadfast in the faith. But such giants in the faith are far and few between. Most of us, I believe, can stand right next to this father in our text and say, I believe, help my unbelief. And in this case, therefore, it is best for us, you and me, to acknowledge it. My friend, do you know something about those trials of faith? Do you? Are you not sometimes plagued with doubts and unbelief? Do you perhaps at times doubt if God really loves you, especially as you're going through difficult times? Is it perhaps a struggle for you not to give in to that spirit of doubt, even the spirit of skepticism? If so, do not, do not deny it. Do not pretend that, that you never have them. Do not repress them. Do not make out that you are always an assured man or woman and the most assured man or woman on the face of this earth. Because sooner or later, your act will cave in. If you have such spiritual trials, it is therefore much wiser and prudent to own up to it and acknowledge it and acknowledge it to the Lord. Now, this takes me to my last point. Such trials require help. The Father says here to the Lord Jesus in our text, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And therefore, he knows what he needs. And that is, he needs help. And he has come to the right place. He has come to the right person. He has come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what we must do too, dear people. We must take all of our trials of faith to Jesus. Those trials, they require help. And the Lord Jesus 
he can give us such help. He knows what to do with those trials. He knows what to do with those doubts. Why? Because the Lord Jesus Christ is stronger than your or my doubts. And he is stronger than the trials that at times overcome us. Now, perhaps it sounds a bit mystical, but experience has taught us that when you take your doubts to Jesus, this very act of taking your doubts to Jesus is already a way to remove those doubts and to make you stronger in the faith. The very act is already an indication that help is near. You see, it is already an act of faith, isn't it, to take your doubts to the Lord Jesus Christ and then trust those very doubts to the Lord Jesus Christ. When you feel yourself, therefore, sliding into skepticism, you must take those skepticisms to the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you confess that you are under the influence of skepticism, he knows what to do about that as well. And therefore, you can take all of your doubts, you can take all of your unbelief, you can take all of your skepticism to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will find a willing, you will find a sympathetic ear with him. You will find out, too, that you will be able to speak to him about it. And with such help from Jesus, a young man in university, for instance, breathing the educated atmosphere of skepticism, may still have questions but he will find his help in knowing that God still speaks to him through his word. And with such help from Jesus, a young lady with others who are Muslim in her class, and this young lady is tempted to rethink her spiritual roots, knows that when she can pray to Jesus, she knows that the Christian faith is the true faith. With such help from the Lord Jesus, a hard-working brother in a world that has done away with God realizes that when he spends time with the Lord Jesus Christ in prayer, he is assured that God is real. And with such help from Jesus, an elderly sister with her many infirmities and at times questioning why she has all of those infirmities, just knows that God still cares for her. And there are people, this is what Jesus will do when we acknowledge our trials of faith and that those trials are real. And when we take such trials of faith to Jesus for help. When you have learned to say, as this man was able to say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Jesus will help. Now, with all of that, you might ask the question, what role does the Lord's Supper then has in all of this? Well, as you know, the Lord Jesus has instituted the Lord's Supper to be a means in helping in the trials of faith. The Lord Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper for those who say 
as the form for the administration of the Lord's Supper uh, tells us, for those who have not perfect faith. And those who do not have perfect faith are those who are at times tried, troubled because of doubt and of unbelief, and at times even plagued with skepticism as well. And so our Heidelberg Catechism states it very clearly for each and every one of us, for whom is the Lord's Supper instituted? For those who also earnestly desire to have their faith more and more strengthened and their lives more holy. And so my fellow believers, in the midst of your trials of faith, the Lord Jesus Christ has raised up a sacrament for your and my help. If your cry too is, Lord, I believe and help my unbelief. The Lord's Supper is there for your help, you see. And because at such a Lord's Supper, Jesus, as the host, he will put everything in tune to reassure you and to strengthen you in your battles of faith. Now, you and I, we are called to prepare ourselves for the celebration of the Lord's Supper to be celebrated, the Lord willing, next Sunday. We are called to examine ourselves this week, whether we can worthily attend the Lord's Supper. Now, what is it that makes us worthy to attend? What is the criteria for attending? Is it when we are in possession of a strong, ever-positive and always upbeat faith? No. If that was the case, few of us would be worthy to attend. Then I must also say, yes, publicly confessed faith in Jesus Christ is necessary for attending the Lord's Supper. And if you have not yet publicly confessed our faith in Jesus Christ, and that, of course, is our children, our young people, then, no, you may not yet attend the table of the Lord. And even if you have made public confession of faith, but your life and your conduct prove to be in contrast to your professed faith, what is it you must do? Well, you must repent of your sin. You must mend your ways, to be sure. And you have a week to examine yourself on this. And the Lord Jesus is there to help you in it. So what makes people worthy to attend the Lord's Supper? People who have learned to go to the Lord Jesus for help. People like this man in our text who said, Lord, I believe. Help me to fight against my unbelief. Lord Jesus, help me because I earnestly desire to have my faith more and more strengthened. And therefore, in preparation for the celebrating the Lord's Supper, let us then examine ourselves, even by asking ourselves those very same questions that I began with. How is my relationship to Christ? Does my confession of Christ match up with my conduct in my everyday life? Are there still unconfessed sins that need to be dealt with? How is my faith in Christ 
Is it always steady? Or are there times that it is unsteady? Even times of unbelief? Well then, get yourself to the throne of grace. And call out to the Lord Jesus and say, Lord, help me. Help me. Well, may the Lord be pleased to use the Lord's Supper for your strengthening of the faith and in your battle against unbelief. And surely, he will not leave you alone. He will 